to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We are glad you've joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Well, Sarah, we have not been on the show together in a while. I, was I know. On... I wonder what people are thinking. <laughs> I know. What if they think we're having a riff? Like we, I think we, we talked about that before. We yeah, dispelled we, it. Okay, good. Because we're, I think not. we're just busier than ever. That's all I think. I think so too. We've been busy and, um, you know, I covered for Sarah, then she covered for me, but then now we are back in action. Uh, mm-hmm. Sarah, anything you want to update anybody on? Sure. I was in Washington, D.C. last week for two days. And during that time, I got to go to the Union Market and tour some of their manufacturing facilities. And we got to listen to Colin Gilcrest, the founder, talk about what he thinks uh, food entrepreneurship is, which is very interesting. Um, that was fun. That's so cool. Did, were you there just to tour that? Is that why you went or were you there for another event? I attended a board meeting and part of it, we try and do something fun. And, uh, that was to go on the tour of the union market and then one of their, uh, product processing facilities actually. So that's very cool. Did you find any new products there that you hadn't seen before? Um, well, I tried a product called Swapples. Swapples? <laughs> Tell us about it. I don't want to say anything bad, but I think I could help them make it better. <laughs> then you should reach out and you should help them because I believe you. I believe <laughs> you too. could help them make it better. <laughs> and I tried some ice cream that was pretty good. And I really liked their Union Market Hall where you, they have lots of startups and small vendors. It was... An interesting dynamic. There's a whole area in Washington, D.C. that's been revitalized um, and changed into a very dynamic area for entrepreneurship and new housing and all sorts of stuff. And um, I had no idea that Washington, D.C. had become kind of a people's, more of a people's place, you know, where, where actual people who live there do real, real stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's not all politics. So, well, that sounds about, great. About, sounds like you had a great time. What about you, Sarah Marshall? Um, well, I have exciting news to announce. We haven't announced it on the show. Um, you and I have known that this is going on for a while, but um, my 
hot sauce, my uh, whiskey smoked ghost sauce is going to be on the show, Hot Ones. Nice. So they just announced that officially last week. Um, so now I can tell people I had to keep it top secret until now. Um, so that's very exciting. But it does come with its own set of problems. And I know well, that you said I should talk about them, but I don't know if I'm quite ready. <laughs> yeah, don't talk about them. But I will just tell you this, that fellow, I'm not good with names, but the guy who's the coach of Colorado University, he's a famous football player. He decided to, he wore a certain kind of sunglasses uh, on the game on Saturday. And he put them, he has them up on the market online. And he pre-sold $1.2 million worth of sunglasses just from wearing them at the football game on Saturday. (laughs) And they're on a boat somewhere coming over and the orders won't be filled until October. So if only we could do that for food products. Right. So that would would be nice. Well, and that's the thing with doing these kinds of shows, you never really know what's going to happen. So, um, you know, they just announced who the first guests are on Hot Ones today. Yeah. And so it's going to be um, the band in sync. And they think they are announcing that they are coming back on tour. Um, and so sometimes when those, I mean, just to think about that, that band is going to be eating my hot sauce in front of lots of people. They showed a picture of it today and my sauce is just sitting right there. It's real wild. It's a wild ride. And I don't really know what that's going to do for me or my business or the show, but I'm here well, for it. Just to let you know, Schmallow was with us at the Fancy Food Show. Uh huh. Got on CBS in New York, and his product sold out that day. Cool. I love that. So, oh, it's Prime. The guy's name is Prime, and his sunglasses look like this. Just so you know, those are his sunglasses. And he just wore them, and now they sold so many. That's the thing with with TV. If you are, um, gotta watch out. Yeah. If you have a product and it ends up on there, then I think you're gonna sell a lot of stuff. So I guess give it a go, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll keep people updated um, on on the show and things that happen as we go. And um, I'm just super excited about it. I'm stoked because it's a very cool opportunity. Congratulations, Sarah. You deserve it. Thank you. Uh, we want to thank our sponsor for supporting Cody <laughs> and Marshall. Thank you for helping us spread the word about female entrepreneurs. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Market of Choice. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. We love you, Market of Choice. Thanks, Market of Choice. Well, we have a guest today. She is That's returning. Right. We're not so, alone. We're not alone. It's not us. We could talk forever, but we also love to talk with other people. So. Yes, we do. That's the whole point of this. So uh, we'll bring yes. on um, our guest. So I would like to introduce you guys to Allie Ball. She was on our show in September, almost exactly a year ago. What? No, two, three, three years ago. Sorry, three years ago. Of 20. Uh, 2020. So yeah. she is before she is a podcast host a coach a teacher a small business advocate she runs retail ready program let's welcome our buddy Allie Ball hi Allie hi Sarah and Sarah thanks for having me back it's 3 years you. later wow. oh my gosh holy moly 3 years later it doesn't really How seem do we like do that? 
exactly three years later. I know, Sarah, you said one year and I was like, oh yeah, it's only been a year, but sure enough, three years. <laughs> well, that was just years. a slip, slip of the tongue because I had it written that it was 2020, <laughs> but then I said a year, I guess yeah. it just felt like a year. Yes. What is time nowadays? <laughs> it's a commodity. <clears throat> Well, just in case our um, listeners have not listened to the past episode and they don't know you and they don't know how to find you, let's first tell them how to find you on social media. Great. I hang out on Instagram the most. So that's where you can find me. I'm at It's Allie Ball. And if you are listening to this, I would love to follow your brand back. So jump into my DMs, introduce yourself, and then I can I can see who's listening and give you a follow right back. So it's Alley Ball is the the easiest place to find me. That's Perfect. Easy. So um, now that people know where to find you, let's talk about all the things that you do because it's a lot. <laughs> she does a lot. So it um, is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Let's start with your podcast since you're on our podcast. So we want people um, to be able to find that. Let's talk about it. Yes, we just celebrated this summer. We celebrated our 200th episode of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. So we have been going strong every Thursday for over four years now. So the Food Biz Whiz podcast, like I said, it comes out every Thursday and we talk about all things wholesale. So food, beverage, and taxable grocery brands, how to get on those retail shelves and how to have high sales once you're there. We bring in guest experts, we bring in our retail ready students, and then we've got solo episodes with me from my time, all about like my time as a grocery buyer and how brands can get into that buyer mindset um, through our weekly podcast episodes. So that's um, Food Biz Whiz for everybody. Add it to your podcast queue so you can listen. Uh, There's all kinds of good tips, I think, for anybody who's interested. Um, I think it's it's both great for people who have not really entered the retail market, but they're trying to figure it out. Uh, But I also think it's great for people who are in it and so they can get all of the updated tips and things to do. Uh, So I would recommend it for both sets of people for sure. Thank you, Sarah. I, you know, I... I went really, I went back and forth for a long time about whether or not I should start a podcast because I knew that once I launched it, I would be fully committed and in it every single week. So it took a lot of, a lot of back and forth to, to finally get to that point. And it really hits on our value of equity. I wanted to make sure that we had a free resource for foodpreneurs because, you know, of course there are there's one way that you can work with us and it is is paid, but we wanted to make sure that we had a free resource just like you two do um, that made our content a little bit more accessible. Did you come up with the word foodpreneurs? I don't think so. I don't think I can take credit <laughs> for that. Why not? <laughs> it's a good one. I like it. I'm I haven't it. really heard it. Have you heard of Sarah Marshall? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I've think heard Allie say it. it only. I Great. think maybe okay. you did come up with it. <laughs> I, you know, I. Why I don't, don't you want submit to take... it to the dictionary and see Ooh. if you can get it in there? That's a great idea. With I'll, the I'll do that. And everything. I'll do that. Yeah, I. I will. I can't. I don't know if I came up with that or not. I can't take full credit for it because I'm just not sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, um, so we'll guide people to your podcast. We'll make sure Great. that they listen to that. Um, so the other thing that I really want people to know about is your um, retail ready program. So, yeah. um, so the podcast is a nice free resource and retail ready is a paid course. And I think we yes. should tell all of our listeners about it and what you do in those courses. Yeah. So retail ready is the only way that we now work with brands and it's changed since we checked in three years ago. The biggest change in retail ready is now it's now a 90 day program. Can you tell us why did you go from, I mean, you were 12 months and now you're down to 90 Mm -hmm. days. Yes. Tell us why. Well, we changed it. We changed it for, let me tell you just the couple sentences on what it is. And then I'll tell you why we made this change because it wasn't one that we did lightly. We, we really, you know, kind of like the podcast. I really thought about it for a long time and I was very intentional in making this change. So Mm -hmm. from a high level, just for those who haven't heard about retail ready, it is our 90 day program that has supported over 2,500 food founders and sales managers since 2016. So it combines curriculum, live strategic support and accountability, and then our values aligned community to help give foodpreneurs the training, tools, guidance to set up sales systems for, again, getting on retail shelves. It depends on yes. where you are when you come yeah. into our program. Like it just depends. You know, we have some people who come into retail ready and they literally get through it A to Z. Mm. In 30 days, we have other people who come into a 12 year program, excuse me, 12 month program. And at the end of 12 months, they want to stay on for another few years with us, right? It just really depends. And I found that time and time again, when I was telling people that it was a 12 month program, it actually turned people off because they didn't want or didn't feel like they could wait a full 12 months for success. So I realized there was a really, there was a big disconnect between my messaging and what was actually happening inside of our program when founders were getting wins in day 30, 60, and 90. So we did a whole bunch of target audience work. We talked to our, you know, I don't want to say favorite, our, um, sure, our favorite retail ready students, (laughs) the ones who were most engaged in our program and the ones who, who really, committed and found success with us. Mm. And we talked to them and over and over again, we heard it should be 90 days. By 90 days, I felt complete. By 90 days, I I felt like leagues beyond where I was at day zero. So we literally just switched it last week. It's the first week that we've changed this program. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so it's super fresh. Debut. Um, Debuting here. And the really cool thing is that we've also just added the option to stay on with us after 90 days. Mm -hmm. So if you are that type of person who, you know, wants to be with us for four months or a year or three years, we have that, we now have that option. That's very cool. Can people do it one-on-one or is it always with a big group of people? Yeah. Oh, great question, Sarah. Okay. Well, in addition to switching it to 90 days, we also added a higher level of guided programming that does include one-on-one access. And that's actually with Charlie, who's our VP of student success. I can't remember if Charlie was on my team. I don't think so. 
three years ago. He probably was. He's been with us almost four years. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was. I think he had. He was working with you, but um, but I don't think he had that same title. Yes, exactly. Okay, right. Because naturally, over four years, Charlie has grown in his role as well. So Charlie is actually a Retail Ready (laughs) alumnus. Speaking of DC, Sarah, he is the founder of Element Shrub which oh. is a concentrated beverage line. Yeah. And he's a partner in a cocktail bar in Washington, D.C. Oh. called the Fountain Inn. I and so, there. yeah, oh, it's a lovely bar. And he joined us about four years ago, again, after taking Retail Ready and being like, this curriculum works. <laughs> and he now supports brands with the founder perspective inside of Retail Ready. So obviously I give that wholesale buyer perspective. Charlie gives the founder perspective all the while running Element Shrub and the Fountain Inn. And inside of our signature program now in Retail Ready, it comes with one-on-one support from Charlie. In addition, of course, to the curriculum and the group support and all of that. So Sarah, can you do it completely one-on-one? Yes, but you still get access to the video trainings and workbooks and things because those are just wonderful resources to have even if you are doing one-on-one work. So once you take the course, are those things evergreen or do you can you just pay like a monthly fee to have that resource or how does yes. that work? Yeah, so some of them are evergreen. Some things you get lifetime access to forever and ever. And then there are other elements of the program, some of the curriculum and of course the live calls and support and stuff that turns into a month-to-month subscription nice. inside of That's Retail great. Rate. Yeah, thank you. I'm... I'm really excited to see if my hypothesis is true. So I I think, think it's true. Yeah. And I think I've seen <clears throat> this with Retail Ready that our workload expands to the container that we give it. So if you're if I tell you that you've got 90 days to complete a project, you're going to complete it in 90 days. If I tell you you've got a year to complete a project, you're going to take a full year. <laughs> So I'm actually really excited to see brands get results, you know, even faster when we, when we kindly suggest that they accomplish, accomplish it in 90 days. Yeah, well, we have the getting your recipe to market programming through Portland Community College, and that's 12 weeks. So that's three Mm. months. There you go. It feels like it might be a good next step for somebody to move forward to just jump right on to the... Um, programming that you have after the recipe to market. Thank you for saying that, Sarah. And that is really important to know that inside of Retail Ready, we don't do anything around product development. I'm not a food scientist. I'm not a product developer. You know, I I do not want to be. And so we, we ask that brands are in production or very, very close to their first production run before they join us inside of Retail Ready. Um, That makes sense. Yeah, just because we don't do that really early stage stuff that that you guys are so good at doing. I do think that's a perfect transition point for people too, because if you're in a you know program through a, a community college or a business school or whatever it is that you're doing, getting your product ready, then you come out of it and you're used to having all of that guidance and stuff, but you don't anymore. And so then I do think that's where people sort of get stopped up because they're like, yeah. oh yeah, I'll get to that or I'll do that or I'll do a wholesale line sheet at some point or like whatever. You yeah. hear a lot of that. So this is kind of a good way to just be like, nope, here, you're ready. 90 days. Let's go. Yeah. Go, there's go, something go. about account- accountability too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to just 
sell accountability, like this idea of accountability with retail ready, but there is something magical that happens when you have people looking out for you and asking where you are and what you're working on and what your weekly priorities are. You know, all of that really keeps, can keep the, um, keep the pace in growing a business. So let's take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about the last few days of the year and what you think somebody should do with a third of the year left to go. We'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, Allie, tell us, if you have 100 days left in 2023, what should you do if you're uh, trying to launch a product? Okay, this is a great question. So I think it's important to understand the rhythm of retail and to know that most wholesale buyers are heads down in turkey and candy canes and you know all of those high, uh, the holiday things starting in early October. And that might that might feel really early to some of your listeners, but I'll tell you when I was a buyer, like come gosh, even mid-September, early October, you know, we were looking at inventory, we were placing pre-orders, we were thinking about re-merchandising. We were hiring and onboarding holiday staff. We were thinking about all of these things that went into coordinating those really high sales weeks around Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, all of those things. And so it's really important to realize that if you are a brand trying to land on wholesale shelves in Q4, so October, November, and December, you either need to be holiday related, right? Like if you are a stocking stuffer, go for it. If you are a gingerbread company, go for it. But if you're not holiday related, <laughs> say you're an iced tea brand or a snack brand, you need to be really, really careful about the way that you approach buyers in Q4. And my advice is, unless you really know what you're doing, Use Q4 to get all your ducks in a row so that when January comes up again and buyers are actually considering new products for their shelves again, you are ready to roll with all of that right information for pitching to buyers. Does that make sense on that holiday timeline? Yeah. So you talk about attract, pitch, and grow. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah, thank you for thank you for knowing that. So attract, pitch, and grow. That's literally the framework that we use inside of Retail Ready. I call it the wholesale success system. So attract is when you understand and prioritize the channels that provide the biggest return on investment for your brand based on your target audience research and actual conversations with them so that you get on that. We call it the path to profit profitability so that you are attracting the right people in the right channels for your brand. So, so often I find that people have done target audience work with branding and marketing exercises. And, and that's really important. But here we look at it through the lens of wholesale channel strategy. 
So who is buying your product and where are they currently looking for products like yours? And we want to prioritize those channels, right? Like there's no need to, you know, get on Amazon with your ice cream brand if folks aren't buying ice cream on Amazon, right? Uh, Good idea. Can you just quickly tell people what channel strategy means? Some of our listeners don't know what those words mean. Great question. Okay. So a channel is literally where you are going to sell your product. So channels are things like I'm going to sell them in brick and mortar retail stores, physical retail stores. I'm going to sell it food service. That's another channel. That's like bars, restaurants, cafeterias, any place where they're putting your product on their menu or using your product as an ingredient. So brick and mortar food service, maybe you're pursuing e-commerce and that could either be direct to consumer through your own website or e-commerce through other wholesale platforms. Like down here in San Francisco, we have Good Eggs. That's like our big one down here. That's essentially an online retailer. So when we think of channel strategy, it is where is my audience, again, where's my audience looking for my products? Is it brick and mortar physical stores? Is it online? Is it actually in bars and restaurants? Is it in my gym? Is it at my kid's school, right? Like we we don't know until we talk to them. And then the strategy piece is just being thoughtful and intentional about choosing which channel you pursue first. Okay, so I just thought of something. Yeah. You mentioned two different channels, food service and retail. Mm -hmm. If you were starting up a food company, do you think you would choose one over the other? Good question. So here's another like jargony buzzword that people throw around and it kind of drives me crazy, but having an omni-channel strategy (laughs) can be really effective here. And omni-channel basically means like I'm in many channels, right? I'm in multiple channels. And so I also hate this answer, but Sarah, it would really depend on what I was launching, right? I think, I think about if I were launching a Let's just do barbecue sauce. It's everybody's favorite. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) If I were launching a barbecue (laughs) sauce, I might say to myself, gosh, the barbecue sauce shelf at Whole Foods is really crowded. Like there's a billion different barbecue sauces. And I know that my audience, that audience shopping retail, like likely has their favorites and it's going to be like pretty expensive to get them to change their mind and, and go for my sauce. But what I do know is that let's say again, San Francisco, like we've got some barbecue, but maybe we need some more barbecue locally. What I'm going to do instead is start selling my barbecue sauce in five gallon buckets to food service accounts instead in the Bay Area. I move more volume. I don't have to spend the money to design a fancy label. I can, I don't know, maybe I can produce it somewhere different because a co-packer goes with the five gallon buckets rather than my individual glass bottles, whatever it is. I might go food service. I have something, something funny that I just thought of too. So if we have retail versus food service, could mm-hmm. that be the same as Barbie versus Oppenheimer? 
It could be. I haven't heard that Barbie, analogy. I just made that up. Do you think Barbie is more like retail and Oppenheimer's more like food service? Mm, I would say I would it would s- be the opposite. Oh, because oh, I haven't seen either movie, but I've noticed like when I go get coffee in the morning, they're like, vote with your tips, Barbie or Oppenheimer. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> You're like okay, dollar in both. Um, that's a great question, and I'm I'm gonna have to meditate on that one and, and see okay. what comes up. <laughs> okay, well, I think in in all of these things that we're kind of saying, I really think it's so different for every brand and every person because sometimes people are really passionate about. Um, interacting with people. And so then I think you're, you're more like, um, you know, on the ground at farmer's markets, at shows, at things like that, you you know, in those retail stores, interacting with customers. And sometimes people are just not about that. And they're like, I want the restaurant owner to interact with all those people. I want them to sell all this stuff. I just want to make, have somebody else make a bunch of stuff and drop it off. And I think both things are fine. I just, I think it just depends on who you are, what you're trying to sell, how you're going to sell it and when you're going to sell it. And I think, you know, when we were even just backing to when we're talking about holiday, like we have, we've already filled all of our holiday orders. Like all of my biggest accounts, which are my best accounts. And I try to just have a few big accounts and not a million small ones. I filled all those holiday orders in September, like the very first week. I'm d- I'm done with holiday yeah. for my for my big clients, and and that feels really good. So that's why I wanted to say that. Mm. <laughs> um, but but it is part of it. Like like maybe not the first year that you develop those relationships with people, but we have a lot of people that we only fill orders for holiday, mm. and they're and they and that's that system works really well for us. Um, but it might not for somebody else. Other people might need to do things quicker and do them every year and fill all the time. But um, but that's a system, you know, peppers and tomatoes are ready in September. It's the perfect time for me to fill big orders. So that's yeah. why we have it set up that way. <clears throat> Sarah Marshall, yeah. are, you, are you omni-channel? Because you make bigger jugs of sauce, don't you? I am barely omni-channel. You're barely <laughs> omni-channel? Um, I'll do some things for some people O-C-F-S-1. sometimes. You know, so like we do make some stuff for restaurants. That's that's like big, you know, big bulk order. So if I'm doing something in a gallon growler or a five-gallon bucket, we actually only pack it in glass. So we we do one-gallon growlers. Yeah. Um, it's expensive. So mm-hmm. for for me, it's mm-hmm. expensive for the restaurant. So we only really work with high-end restaurants. Um, so it's few and far between. But when it works out well, it works out really well. So right now, I only really have one restaurant account. And that's oh. with with Bluto's. They're a local restaurant. They um, I've done projects with them before in their other restaurants. Uh, but things kind of switch during the pandemic. So this was their newest restaurant. They wanted to launch with a sauce that I made for them. They, they marinate meat and things in this sauce and and sell it at the restaurant and then Signature. i sell it at the farmer's market yeah so and it's a really wonderful relationship and project it's also with my friend and so that's usually how i end up in those channels is that oh, okay because it is a whole different it's a it's a different side of the business so if i'm going to take that time i either need to be making a lot of money or i need to be working on something that i'm very excited about with a with a buddy so that's what this is. 
That's cool. Allie, I have another question for you. Sarah, sorry I'm hogging all the airtime today, but you're you're good, baby. Allie, have you ever thought about creating a training and education program for buyers? People ask me this all the time. So when I first left Byright, I did that. I traveled all around the country training wholesale buyers on inventory management and category reviews and merchandising and staffing and all of that in retail, in specialty retail. And that was when I was building up the producer side of my business. Okay. Okay. And because, you know, the producer side didn't have as much money as the retail side did. Right. And I was living in San Francisco. I had to find a way to pay my rent. And so I did, I, I split my time about half and half with retail consulting and producer consulting. And it was really, really valuable for me to see the behind the scenes of dozens of other independent stores and small chains outside of the walls of Byright. You know, we do things uh, uniquely at Byright. And I found time and time again, Sarah, that my my passion just wasn't there. Like there was a mm-hmm. reason why I left Byright. Okay. I left I left my role so that I could move away from being heads down in the PNL of a grocery department oh, okay. week in and week out and have a greater impact on our food industry and work with these producers. And as much as I value that that retail time that I had, I found that I just I just like working with producers better. So they have a short, lot of excitement. Yeah, like in short, I think it's needed. I think it's really needed on the the buying side of things, but I think someone else can do that. I've got a full-time job with retail um, ready. (laughs) Yeah. So you're like a secret, secret weapon for somebody who's getting ready for their pitch. Yeah. Can you tell us what a pitch is? Yes. So that's the second step of the framework, right? We talked about attract and then pitch is step number two. So a pitch is convincing someone else, in my case, a wholesale buyer to Mm. carry your product line on their shelves. So when I say wholesale, it's really important to realize that any of those channels that we talked about, food service, brick and mortar retail, online marketplaces, all of that, that's still wholesale because you have to convince someone else to say yes to carrying your product line or using your product line, putting it on the menu. And then they put their own margin on top of it, of your wholesale cost, you know, adding adding cost to it and are reselling it to that end shopper. So that pitch is literally, what are you saying? And what sales material are you providing to convince that person to say, say yes to carrying your product line? And some of the, some of the tools we use are distributors and brokers, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Distributors and brokers can, can help with that, but I've got a big old like asterisk and disclaimer about working with, with brokers and distributors. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just going to say, Sarah, that, um, you know, with that too, like all of it sort of depends (laughs) on, on who you are. And what you're doing and when you're yeah. doing it. 
And and I think once you do develop that pitch, I think people I think people need help with their pitch in the beginning, Me no matter too. who you are. Yeah, Even if you sure. worked in marketing, your product yeah. is very personal. And so I think that you yeah. you need a little guidance to get you to where you are going to be because then once you have your pitch, you have to say it over and over to every single person you interact with. Every totally customer good. that contacts you online, every person you see at a farmer's market, every person you see at a demo, every family member, every friend you haven't seen in a while, you have to constantly be saying what you do and what it is and you have to make it sound great or it's just going to be sitting in your house or your or your kitchen or your garage. Your, your garage or wherever it is. You have to constantly be pitching who you are and what you do yes. if you want to sell yeah. your stuff at all. Yeah. So yeah. I I think that, you know, Ali, as you're talking about the the pitch, I mean, your pitch is essential. And I also think it kind of changes. I think, it, I think it's, that's why I always say it's good to like, even if you've taken classes, even if you have a product, even if you've listened to podcasts, just keep doing it. Keep taking classes, keep doing courses, keep listening to the experts because all of the stuff changes all the time and it changes for you even internally. And if you're not, you know, feeling motivated, like you weren't feeling motivated in your job and you had to find a new thing that you felt passionate about, it's the same thing for all of us business owners and opportunity, you know, like we have to always have that passion or we're, our pitch is never going to be good. <laughs> yeah. And one of the mistakes that I see folks make with their pitch is using the same pitch direct to consumer. So, you know, over the table at a farmer's market or on their website or, you know, to their friends and family, whatever that is, using the same sales pitch direct to consumer as you use to wholesale buyers. And that just doesn't work. So when you talk to that, to direct to consumer, you're talking about the deliciousness of your product, that story about why you developed your product line and, you know, how you use these local peppers and tomatoes and slow roast them and on and on and on, right? Like you paint that like beautiful romantic picture. Yeah, of, yeah absolutely. When you pitch to wholesale buyers, they don't care about any of that, mm -mm. right? The ultimate goal of the wholesale buyer is to, when they bring in your product line, their goal is to increase sales or margin in your category. Yeah. And so if you base that wholesale pitch on the fact that you're so delicious, you're really missing the mark on what that buyer needs to hear in order for them to trust you and your brand. And so that's really, we see that folks come into retail ready. And that's like the first thing that we've got to clear up that, yeah, talk about taste, talk about that story, talk about sourcing, talk about how you are a woman owned business, all of that direct to consumer. And then with the wholesale buyer, we lead with the category goals. And then all of that other stuff is just icing on the cake for that buyer. Well, and we just had a, a an episode air a couple of weeks ago, and I think you're proving this exactly because we were talking with Lori Hunter. She's the um, buyer, local buyer for um, New Seasons. And what she said is, let's make money together. Like yeah. to all of the people that are pitching to her, that's what she wants them to know. Let's make money. And that is in her role. That is what she is responsible for. She has mm -hmm. to make sure that New Seasons is making money, that her category of local food is making money. That's what's important to her. And I think that 
um, you know, as business owners, we all need to hear that because that yeah. does change how we interact with people. And I think that all those other things are totally important, but yes. they're important to a different set of people. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I'm so glad that Lori said that. I love Lori. I'm really glad to hear that she was on the podcast. And, you know, the way I love her phrase, let's make money together. The way we say it is we all have the same goals right? You're the wholesale buyer, you as the brand, your broker, your distributor, we all have the same goals of high (laughs) sales. Mm -hmm. And the more that the faster we can realize that we're aligned in those goals, the faster we realize it's not a me versus them. You know, I, I find that food founders are often so resentful of that wholesale buyer. They uh, are frustrated with those wholesale buyers, and it really feels like a me versus them, like the buyer, the wholesale buyer is a gatekeeper to your success. Well, I mean, not every product's going to get in every store. No. And so, that's okay. Next. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. You just have to, you have to find the right one for you and the, bu- and the buyers, you, they know what's right for their store. And so if they're right? telling you that it's not right, it's okay. Otherwise they wouldn't be the buyer. Yeah. But you'll find the right one, you know? Yes, absolutely. And if you feel like your product is truly, truly the right fit for that store yeah. and that your product is, you know, really fantastic. All those attributes that we just rambled off, but that buyer isn't giving you the time of day. It's your pitch that needs mm-hmm. improving. Your sell sheet, your price list, your promotional strategy, your the way you're emailing that buyer, the way you're talking to them on the phone, right? It, it's your pitch process that's lacking if you truly, truly know, like, oh my goodness, I am exactly the right fit for you know market of choice. Yeah, I think that's great. And so, um, you know, Allie has all the tips, you guys, if you need, if you need help to figure out your pitch and how Go to, to talk to these retail buyers, um, definitely 100%. So you can, and she has Thank multiple you. ways to help you. You can, if you, you know, just can't financially do it right now, listen to the podcast. If you are ready to make it happen, do the 90 day course. I mean, I think that's really nice that you have mm-hmm. both of those, of those options and outlets. I think that that's that, um, very is nice. really great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, ladies, we have to wrap it up. So Allie, I'm going to give the floor to you for anything that you want to put out there to our listeners. Yeah, great. I want to do a one-liner on the third step of the process Mm -hmm. and that's grow. And we all know this is maybe the only must, I will say, in how to run your business, but you must sell off the shelf in order to maintain that placement. So you've got to think about how you're going to grow your sales through quarterly promotions, through strategic partnerships. If ever, and I don't think this is true for every brand, but if ever a broker or a distributor is right for your brand. So it's really important to not use all your energy to get on the shelf Mm -hmm. or in those accounts. And then you, you know, you've got very little left, um, emotionally, mentally, or in your bank account mm-hmm. to sell off the shelf once you're there. So I really want to make sure that our listeners don't don't forget about step number three, thinking about selling off the shelf once you're there. Yeah, because that's how you can, when you grow, you're continuing to grow those relationships by selling your product. Like um, that is 
a key part that I would like people to know um, that I have learned over time is that getting into a store is just kind of like the first step. Even if you you do have the perfect pitch, you get into that store, it's on the shelf, they've paid you, you have a check. Before you move on to finding the next person, figure out how to move that product. How are you going to do it? Because because moving on to the next person just sort of leaves that other person behind. And then and then you've just worked so hard to build this relationship and get into this store. And then it, and then you have to do it all over again because that's, yeah. that relationship is going to end if you're not giving it attention. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's so much easier to maintain an account and to work on the reorder strategy than it is to constantly find new accounts to be in. I think we can all agree we'd rather have a hundred stores who are reordering every other week than 500 stores who are reordering every couple months. And so that's why, you know, I really think I I put so much emphasis on that attract step being in the right channels, having that channel strategy, because then you're, you're, you're getting in those stores that actually have a better chance of reordering. That's great. Well, I think that's great advice, Allie. I'm so glad mm-hmm. that you could um, join us again. And I love the way that you're reworking your system as we all have to do to make things work right for us. So I think um, great job. I'm excited to refer people your way and see how this new format goes for all of my food buddies out there. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me today. It was such such a pleasure to come back and reflect on what's changed over the past three years and, and have the opportunity to chat with you both. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. Allie. We record Masonian Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM to our Instagram, Masonian Marshall. We will be back next week, everybody. Thanks for joining. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.